0: It's Storytime, Episode 1, Life Outside India. Hello and welcome to the very first podcast of Storytime, where we pick a random topic every week and hear out some personal stories, experiences, or opinions from random people on the internet. I'm your host, Mun Sultan, and today's topic is life outside India. So whenever you read about this topic on Reddit or elsewhere, young people in India are clamoring to emigrate to other countries. I had a brief test of life abroad as I moved to US for a work assignment a year back. And as I'm back in India doing my mandatory institutional quarantine, I feel this is a good time to reflect on whether the grass is truly greener on the other side. I have four guests with me today. Two of them are US citizens. You may know them by the names of Holmai Gobi. Gobi, say hi. Hello. And Brown Burrito. Hi, Burrito. Hello, hello. The the third guest in here is Downtor Wa. He's a person who has done his schooling, I guess, in Gulf and grad school in US. Hi, Downtor. Hey, man. Uh, that th- That's a really cool voice, right? You were not speaking with that a few minutes <laughs> ago, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but first we start with sexy fascist baby, right? Sexy and baby probably don't go too well together. So I'll just call <laughs> you baby from here on. Right. Baby is a shuddh Desi Indian, right? Who is an ex cricketer and he has visited various countries for tours before. And he claims to want to emigrate as soon as an opportunity arises. Hi, Baby.
1: Hello, everyone. Hi, Mohan Sultan.
0: (laughs) So, Baby, the first question is to you. What is it about India that makes you want to emigrate to other
1: countries? All right. Uh, If I have to answer that in one sentence, I would say the regressive social societal norms. Mm -hmm. uh, Right from the crab mentality which pervades in every aspect of the society. That, you know, the moment you see someone who's doing better than you, instead of being, you know, okay, I, I'm not telling you to, I, I mean, I'm not telling anyone that you go out there and you clap for them and stuff. But, you know, at least don't try to pull people down. I think that would be one. The second would be the double speak that Indians love to follow. Uh, I think pretty much in every every sense of the word, Indians are the biggest practitioners of double speak. is what I feel, can, in my can opinion. You, can you give our,
0: an example of speak?
1: I mean, I, I think the quintessential would be since there are NRI's here. I mean, (laughs) I don't intend to get political, but suddenly a lot of people will watch you signal on social media that India is the best country in the world and how Bharat Mata is the best, Mm -hmm. but uh, these people would again be in a persistent endeavor to get a first world country citizenship and would want their kids not to go back or maybe, you know, just just get into some grad school back in the US, but you know, Bharat Mata is the best, India is just that's just, you know, breaking pretty much every record there is.
0: But but, but the thing is, but maybe like, return. say you emigrate to some other country, right? Say, US or Canada no, no. or US. Yeah. Will you then stop having opinions about India after that?
1: See, there are two. One, okay, all right. Having an opinion about India is something which is every person is entitled to. Right. And placing people on a pedestal practicing one thing and then doing something and saying something else is not something that i would at least profess i've seen a lot uh-huh. of people place india on a pedestal which is like you know this is everything it is you know it is the greatest country in the world it's it's go- for whatever reasons they have right but the moment when it comes to pissing off india or pissing on india when they come to india i think it is almost you know it's, it's almost a bit grotesque to be honest you know, the same place which was so good on social media when you posted Bharat Mata Kija before so coming in December or something like that. The moment you land there and you find all the dust and pollution still the same way or maybe a little less than what it was when you left. Okay. And then you start complaining about that. So, I mean, I, I, found it, I find that very interesting.
0: Right. So, so, let's move on to Burrito, right? So, Burrito, you were born in US, if I'm not wrong, right? And then you came here when you were in school. Is, is that correct?
2: No, I was born in India, but I grew up all over, including the U.S. And then I moved back to India for a high school and college. And then I came back here for grad school.
0: Great. So, so how different was your experience in India compared to places outside when you came back
2: here for high school and college? I mean the the thing is right i mean when you're young uh, one of the things that you get used to is change is exciting in some ways mm-hmm. i mean you don't really care as much about a lot of things obviously i miss my friends and so on but we would visit india for the summers so you know in many ways uh, that was not the hard part for me the hardest part was uh, i would i would say two things right i mean one is a fundamental lack of freedom because i feel yeah. like in many ways there are societal expectations, and when it comes to school, when it comes to family, you're a lot more rigid, right? Uh, th- that was the first thing that struck me. Like, hey, why do I have to take this class? I don't really care about this. Right. Uh, second, I mean, you know, like wearing a uniform to school and things like that. Got it. Uh, the second, yeah, the second one is what I would say, creativity. Because I think fundamentally, right, I mean, there's such a huge focus on stem and, and by the way i hate the term stem because it makes it sound like science and math cannot be creative right i mean which is sort of not, not something that i entirely completely agree with yeah so there's this huge focus on that you have to be analytical and focus on that with no regard for sports or arts or creativity. And as a kid, I loved English, I loved geography, but I found that when you come to India, nobody cares about any of those subjects other than math and science.
0: Got it. Right. So 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 when you went back to US, was it purely because of career reasons you wanted to like do your postgrad in US? Or were you seeking some of these freedoms that you had sort of lost when you came to India as a teenager?
2: Uh, To be honest, I really did not have like a, you know, super concrete plan. I wanted to be a physicist Uh and, you know, I was like, well, let me do quantum computing. So I came back here to pursue quantum computing. And then I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, a couple of years in, I decided that I was going to do, you know, focus on doing a startup or, you know, following my where my heart called me and in some ways right i think uh, it also takes you a little bit of time to adjust even though you grew up here the reality is that you know when you're a young kid versus you know you come back to a place after a break of like uh, you know, seven years, six, yeah. like seven years, it, it is a different place, right? I mean, culturally, you've changed, the place has changed. So it took me a little while to find my roots. But the moment that I did, I was like, yeah, like, wh- why am I doing this when I could actually follow what I really want to do?
3: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and, and after you came to the US, did you ever think of going back to India? Or were you completely immersed in the United States exposed?
2: I mean, so so the interesting thing is, after I came to the U.S. for a while, I you know I was like, oh, let me actually try and see, uh, you know, if I can build my career here, if I could try new things, and so on. Uh, and at some point, I realized that you know, not to think of places as final destinations, right? I mean, I, I, this is probably because growing up, we traveled and moved a lot, right. but. Uh, you know, I I never thought that, oh, I would be settled in the US for life, or I will, you know, never go back to India. I was always open to the idea that if something cool came up, no matter where in the world, I would go there, right? I mean, people think of places as final destinations, but I think there's value in thinking that, oh, well, yeah, if something good comes up, if I meet someone cool, and, uh, you know, and if I have to move somewhere that's not here, then I'll do it, whether it's India or Africa. Right. So, so you were not, you didn't have like a global plan, but you sort of
0: locally optimized and winged along as you came across things and opportunities, you know, whatever you wanted to.
2: Pretty much. And, you know, my only, uh, so one of the things that I sort of learned, right? I mean, pretty early on after having, you know, uh, gone through the Indian education system and having tasted freedom again, one of the things I sort of told myself is I'm never going to pursue something that I'm not passionate about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it comes to, you know, uh, studying something or working, I've had like so many different careers. And so I sort of felt the same way about a place. I mean, even in the US, I've lived in so many different cities. And I basically said that if I get bored of a place, if I get bored of a city or a country, I mean, I will just go on to do, you know, or move somewhere else. So I, so I never felt like the need to put my roots down and say, this is my home, I'm going to stay here. Even though I have a house and a home and what have you, I always thought of it as well, someday I'll go back there. But who knows when that might be.
0: I, I, I think a lot of people sort of get stuck uh, in jobs, in, you know, in, pursue some sort of an education in things that they don't want to. Why do you think is that a case? Like, is it because of financial security? And, and how were you able to sort of get out of that mindset or rut that, you know, I think especially in India, many people uh, seem to be stuck.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally it comes down to the fact that, you know, people are uh, so, so people in india right i mean indian culture traditionally focuses much more on de-risking everything yep. rather than optimizing for uh, happiness or success or what have you right uh, if you optimized for success you would say that well what does success look like what is my strength and how can i you know optimize to that if you optimize for happiness, you would ask, "Am I happy? You know, uh, being a programmer at TCS. Am I happy? You know, doing whatever it is that I do. And if not, I'll move on." Right? Uh, I think that's a fundamental difference between a lot of Western cultures in India. Right? I mean, and I think China right. is the same way, where similar to India, there's a heavy focus on, you know, your worst case scenario should be you still have a job uh you know and nobody ever thinks about the best case scenario I, I think one of the quotes that i really really enjoy is the uh one of the biggest tragedy of uh you know our time and of life is not that people you know uh aim too high and they fail it's that they aim too low and they succeed mm-hmm. and they just get, get stuck, stuck in their the rut of yeah like i have a job it pays well it's not great but you know i have a house i have a mortgage and i have a wife and so why should i move right as opposed to yeah let me try something new
0: and what about your family did they support you through you know your experiments you you doing certain courses and leaving it or starting a startup moving to a different city all of these or in all these adventures
2: One hundred percent. So, you know, not to uh, dox myself, but my dad used to work for the government of India and, uh, you know, he studied law as a kid when he was younger, uh, even though he was also a banker. And uh, his dad refused to let him practice uh, law because, you know, my grandfather was also in, you know, banking and diplomacy. So basically the idea was that, nope, you're going to go into either, you know, uh, banking or civil services. You're not going to do law, even though my dad had a chance to clerk for one of the future Supreme Court justices of India, mm-hmm. uh, and and so years later, after you know he uh, you know uh, wrapped up his career, he practiced law because it was something he was very passionate about, right? And so and my mom was uh, very active in the Communist Party of India when she was younger. Um, you know she was um, you know die hard uh, you know left wing, and uh, then she now she does you know, uh, runs a trading firm. So, you know, so so it was one of those things where my parents were always open about, follow your heart, do what's right, but obviously don't do stupid things, right? Uh, And I'm really grateful for that because, you know, uh, I mean, as some of you know, I've had the chance to live and work in so many parts of the world. I mean, Australia, Africa, uh, you know, Russia, Europe, and so on, and my parents were always like, you do you, as long as you're happy and, you know, uh, as long as you, you are not in a place where, uh, you know, you, you feel like you've failed, uh, you know, be, go to yourself.
0: That that That's really great to hear, right? Let, let's, let's move on to Gobi now, right? Uh, Gobi, you have had a very different experience uh, in the United States as compared to most other people. For instance, I went there because I got a transfer in my Burrito and Downtor uh, went there because of uh, their post-grad courses, right? So they got college admissions. But you have a very different story. Uh, can you share that story with us?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I was um, back in uh, mid-2000s, like everyone else, I was an Orkut. Um, and I was part of a community, um, a very small community of, um, instrumental, uh, music. It was, there were like 12 mm-hmm. people on there and that's okay. where I, um, ended up meeting my husband and turned out that he was American. So we mm-hmm. started chatting and from chat, we moved on to Skype and lo and behold, two years later, I immigrated to the U S so yeah. Um, my reason for coming here was was pretty different. And um, in hindsight, it was a pretty big gamble. And even though my uh, marriage did not work out, I think uh, my risk paid off. But I think I'm uh-huh. pretty content
0: with uh, my life right now. And how did your family and friends take this decision of marrying an American man who you met on autopilot?
3: Um, no one believed that he existed for some time. They thought that I was being catfished by some Nigerian prince. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, when he, <laughs> uh, on one, on one of my birthdays, uh, one year, he, um, he showed up and he surprised everyone. So that's when my friends found out that he was real. Um, and okay. I wasn't ready, uh, to take him to my uh, parents yet, but that happened later. um. My family was furious, as it is, um, ex- as it is to be expected. Um, uh-huh. But uh, it took my father a little longer to warm up and accept um, uh, a son-in-law who was. I mean, he always wanted me to marry a Maharashtrian and have Maharas- give him Maharashtrian grandkids, right? So mm-hmm. uh, when he saw that that dream becoming more and more distant he was mad but I mean he warmed up um, to my then husband and and things got better but initially it was it was difficult it was a rough um, one year I'll say yeah.
0: And and how did you sort of settle into the U.S. life?
3: It was a big change for me I had never uh, traveled outside um, India back then um, yeah. And I did not move to a big city like most people do. I moved to a rural town in Texas mm-hmm. uh, where okay. you cannot you cannot walk anywhere, and people shoot guns in their backyards, and you know people have chickens in their backyards as well. And I uh-huh. have spent most of my adult life in Mumbai, so um, it was it was a big change. I had to learn how to drive and learn how to speak slower. I, I think I'm still speaking fast, but um, people wouldn't understand me. Um, Not because I had an accent, but I spoke so fast that, and in Texas, and Burrito would know this, he has family in Texas. People speak very slowly. So, so, so
0: when did you develop this accent? Like the way you speak, How how many years did it take you to speak like that?
3: I can't, I can't, say that I know that it happened gradually but I guess I noticed it when um, my friends started joking and they were like <laughs> so for some time I just stopped speaking in English when I was talking to my family or my friends um, but,
0: but, but do you have like a different accent when you speak to your family or when you're speaking to us versus when you're speaking to say your neighbors in Texas
3: if I try to speak like i did when i was in india i forget how to form sentences so (laughs) i i either just avoid speaking english or i um just speak in uh, if i speak in english then they'll have to accept my accent because if i try to tone it down it sounds like i'm mocking how us indians speak
0: Uh uh-huh uh, and Burrito, what about you? Like, when did you develop an American accent that you have right now?
2: I mean, so it's it's one of those things where I feel like it, when you have an accent as a kid, it never leaves you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, obviously, yeah. when I was in India, it got a bit more Indianized and, you know, that was something I struggled with. but. Uh, When I came back, it came right back because uh, it's interesting, right? I mean, a lot of things is how do you read a word? If you're taught to read a word, with stressing syllables a certain way, that's how you mentally read it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was in India, I mentally had to, even though I read it a certain way, I had to learn to say it a different way. But coming back here and being like, oh, this is how words are meant to be read. So it made it a lot easier for me.
0: And were you ever mocked in India,
2: mocked or bullied for your accent when you came in here? Oh, totally, man. I mean, it, I mean, kids will find the strangest things to, uh, you know, mock you for, right? I mean, uh, obviously, you know, some kids thought you were the cool kid, you know, because you came from abroad. Other yeah. kids thought that you were the kid who was showing off with your American accent and with your fancy toys and fancy clothes and shoes and what have you, right? Uh-huh. I mean, this is obviously a combination. But I think the hardest thing that, you know, uh, it's funny because I, I would hesitate from asking questions in class because I was always afraid. Because if I talk, you know, they'd be like, there'd be somebody who would snicker and make fun. right? But, and then you learn to adjust, right? I mean, you learn to adjust and you're, and even, well, sorry, not to digress, but uh, growing up, right? This is the downside of being like an only child, uh, you know, in a Kerala Tambram family, even the Tamar that we speak at home is very much, you know, conservative, uh, sanskritized, you know, it's, it's a very different sort of uh, Tamil than what you'd hear on the street. <laughs> so I remember one of my cousins being like, dude, you're going to talk like this outside, you're going to get beaten up. People are going to be like, what the fuck are you saying? Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I sort of learned to basically, okay, how do I speak more colloquially? And, and I'm glad. I mean, I feel like in some ways, you know, that sort of, it acts, acted as a forcing function. <laughs> got it
0: Go- going back to you Gobi right so ha- how yeah. easy or difficult because if, if if I if I remember right you used to work in a big media firm in India right So yes. how difficult was it to translate those skills to something useful in the job market especially in a rural American town how, how did you sort of settle into what you do right?
3: It was hard to find a job to start with because I had no American education or experience. Um, My first uh, proper job that was not under the table um, was a sales associate at a department store. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I had to um, interact with people and sell them things that I had not done before before. Okay. Uh, the media job was a little bit different. I did know how to be persistent and growing a thick skin, doing what I did in India did help me a little bit selling expensive goods in the retail space. Um But the people you're dealing with here in the US are, are different from um, the bureaucrats and just the people you interview when um, you're in India. So um, it mm-hmm. was a... It was a big change, but slowly and surely I got a hang of it.
0: Got it. Okay. Let, let's move on to downtour, right? Downtour first question, right? If you have an option to spend the rest of your life in, you know, any of the places that you have lived in before, which is US, the Gulf countries or India, what would you choose? First preference,
1: second preference, third preference and why?
2: yeah so uh if you ask me
4: personally i think I, I think first preference uh would be i mean right now i'm more o- oriented towards my career stuff mm-hmm. so career wise definitely us okay. than india yeah other other parts i don't even care it's us or india yeah. Rest all mein gara,
0: but but, but so. wha- the rest all is the Gulf countries, right? so why is that part?
4: yeah yeah, I mean <laughs> so uh, if you see the Gulf countries, they don't have a good college education there. Uh-huh. the local college education is non-existent, and they have uh, campuses of u s universities there, but then yeah. uh, they only teach like mechanical and petrochemical and chemical and petroleum. So, not Got really it. interested in those. Uh, um, yeah,
0: a lot so. of kids who study in the Gulf countries that I know typically go to UK or US universities for their education. Is, is that correct? Or, and some of them even come back to India.
4: Yeah, so, so the trademark, uh, the general thing is you do your undergraduate in US and then you go to, for your Further education in in US UK and just settle there. And okay. if you are really rich, you you directly go for your undergraduate in US UK and then just settle there. Yeah.
0: But but how was your childhood like growing up in the school you know, like in like in the Gulf country? And you also came back to India when you were in school, right? So did you have this thing in period that Burrito seems to have?
4: Uh. So first question, uh, I mean, yeah, so, uh, I, I I actually came back to India directly for my college education to, so till 12th standard, I was outside only. So before that I was in India only, uh, I mean, I was in Gulf, but, but the education was Indian, so it was not, not much different only difference was i was speaking english more than my my age wale log in india who were speaking whatever from whichever part of the country they were so got it yeah
0: and, and were yeah. you like because, the rich kid in your college like the nri rich boy
4: uh i mean in my circumstance no but uh, My friends were, yes, but I was not. (laughs) So,
0: okay. (laughs) So, so another question, right? When people, you know, think about going to say Dubai or, you know, any of these places, one of the point of views that they have is that, you know, Gulf countries have this draconian government and Indians are treated as second class citizens. So you can have like a life with comforts and money, but if anything goes wrong, like you're, you're caught doing something wrong or somebody like accuses you of something, then you are in etc etc right so so do you think that is correct
4: yes i mean as of now like till this year definitely uh, it it is true because uh, you don't see a lot of people in management positions or you know starting up their own businesses on their own in, in the gulf countries so so you you need a guy who is a local who has the majority stake in the business even if you want to start like small business like you know repair ka business or yeah, restaurant or whatever right you need someone who is a local and he will have a partner majority of stake some so. kind
0: right who, ne- who also needs to have at least fifty percent of the stake I- is that correct
4: yeah yes 51% mandatory so
0: got it got it got it okay yeah. okay so so but you have like any stories where you felt that you were not treated the same way that you would have or you behaved in a different way than you would have had you been in india did anything of the sort happen to you or someone
2: yeah i
4: mean so off the top of my head i used to play sports in the gulf so i used to play for like you know table tennis and football for my school and then i used to uh, I was part of the local clubs there, you know, amateur sports, semi-amateur, you right. represent the club and all.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
4: so those guys were paid. So the local guys in the club were paid X amount. And I was also in the team and I was paid X by two. So and just that like was by that default club, because no, I was not a citizen of the country.
0: Okay, no explanation. Like, just like that, if a foreign citizen comes, then he gets paid, le- paid less.
4: Yeah. But
0: yeah, but,
2: but... yeah, yeah
0: was that also true of say the europeans or the americans who are there
4: yeah i i mean i wasn't i did only my schooling there so i can't say much but but from what i've heard from my like you know uh, family friends so like you know my parents friends and all so yeah there is there is definitely a racial hierarchy like if if you have a a white country passport you are getting paid more for the same position than what an indian guy is paid so Mm -hmm. so it is like a white country passport is like 1.1 x then uh, a local country guy will be paid x amount and then a desi guy would be paid point x the amount for the same role yeah
2: so, doctor, what if it's a desi guy with a, you know, an American oh. or you know, British passport? How does that work? It,
4: it doesn't matter. The passport only matters Be- because uh, because for anything that you are not a local, then all your everything outside of your everything else, most of 99% of your life is determined by a passport. So if you're not a local, then everything else is determined by a password. So we had guys, like, I have heard stories of people, you know, who used to wear Tika, you know, like this, uh, you know, Tika, basically, you know, yeah. hardcore, right? people who had Canadian citizenship and who had us citizenship or whatever. And they used to go to office and the local guys used to be like, dude, you can't wear this. So that oh. guy used to say, oh, that guy used to say, okay, fine, then you can send a letter to my embassy and uh, you can tell them that, you know, we are firing this guy and deporting him and then only I will remove the tika in my forehead. Wow. And yes. nothing used to happen. Yeah. So
1: essentially, you can... I actually yeah. have a question to Monsultan. I'm, I'm extremely sorry to butt in here. Sure, sure. I mean, okay, that's Monsultan, okay. you've had, the, I think, quite the quintessential Indian experience in terms of, Doing your education from India, working in India, mm-hmm. and then going yep. to the to the United States. But there's this one difference that now when you've gone to the United States, you've had a decent bit of information overload with you through the internet. Alright, so just like right. I'll I'll ask you two questions. The first would be, mm-hmm. there would be a certain set of stereotypes which would have stuck with you while you were st- you know, while you were browsing about America or while you got to know about America from the internet. First of Mm -hmm. all, did, did those stereotypes hold true? Number two, why don't you have an accent? You've got to have an accent just to prove that you're from your, your return that is bitten. just. so please, anyone who's going to listen to this, don't get offended. Uh, Yeah. Okay.
0: Don't don't worry about it. I think you must have offended enough people with your first answer, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I'll answer the second question first. I don't have an accent because I didn't feel the need to most people sort of understood what I was speaking. But yes, I did speak slightly slower when I was speaking to say American people, right? Maybe I was also rolling my tongue a little more. But I could just switch that off completely and talk to people who are Indians in the way I used to before uh second thing uh, about american stereotypes uh so the thing is i spent most of my time in san francisco and new york right and to some extent people are uh sort of homogeneous over there right so i i didn't meet you know or the you know the hillbilly the rural american you know the the fat american like all those negative stereotypes that we think about Uh, people who are racists, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't meet a lot of those people, right? So I met uh, a homogenous set of people and uh, I I, I thought most of them were really cool, right? So I I, I don't particularly think any of the negative stereotypes uh, sort of came true about Americans and the people that I met with knew a lot about the world as well, right? So they had traveled globally, knew a lot about. So I, I had a really good time with Americans.
1: All right. Just one more question there. Just a follow up. right. If it's yep. not too personal, would you like to go back and work there for a longer time as compared to what you work for now?
0: Uh, You know, for now, I wanted to come back to India and I, unlike Burrito, I do see a, a long term career for myself in India, right? Which is essentially why I sort of decided to come back. But if a good opportunity arises, there's no reason why not because i had a good experience it it is obviously you know getting a visa and a job and all is a very tedious thing in the u.s but if a good opportunity arises and it's a field that i want to work in then i think i think the lifestyle there is fairly good and i wouldn't going back
1: oh wow that's actually a pretty great answer i I just actually wanted to pick your brains on one more thing if it's all right (laughs) haha Yeah, uh, Burit was actually talking about the lack of creativity amongst Indians. Uh, a lot of people actually confuse that and counter that Indians are extremely jugadu. So my thought on that is that circumvention is not the same as innovation. And as far as innovation is concerned, you in your academic life would have seen quite a few people researching a lot, trying to you know develop stuff around a lot. So do, do you think that India is actually... You know, Research part is something which is India particularly shorthanded at and I'm extremely sorry to digress but I just had to ask this out
0: yeah absolutely because I I stayed in San Francisco and I think as an Indian we have certain hang-ups or certain boundaries which are there right so I'll tell you something about you know an experience that I had meeting a person within my first two weeks of, uh, being in us, right? So this was sort of, uh, my company's alumni meet. And I was just sitting next to a person that I got started uh, that. I started talking to, right. And he was running, a, a a biotech startup, right? So he had something to do like his, his, I, I'm not going to divulge his information, but his startup had something to do with AI and biotech. And when I talked more to him, I sort of realized that he actually, uh, had a background. So he actually had done his undergrad in uh, philosophy and then he had done an MBA, right. And that was really surprising to me because for me, if somebody is working in the field of AI, right, I would typically expect that they have a background in say engineering, computer science specifically, right. Or if they're working in biotech, then they would have some background in biology, biotech, any of those subjects but then i realized that this person who had zero experience in any of these things right he had never worked uh, he'd never done any work which was primarily focused on computers or biology right he had an experience in a consulting firm and then he had gone and worked somewhere else he decided to quit his job go to san francisco right because he didn't even used to live in san francisco he used to live somewhere else right go to a new city and then start a startup on something which is like completely unrelated. And he was actually funded, right? So, and and I have actually seen like clippings about his startup later on in newspapers, et cetera. So, so then I realized that it was not his issue, but it was my issue, right? Because I have these mental hangups that in order to do something, you have to do X, right? In order to be at this place, you have to do this at the age of 20, this at the age of 25, this at the age of 30. And what I noticed in the United States is that they don't have these hands, right? So, and and obviously that brings in, you know, a greater array of, you know, sort of opportunities, greater array of things that you can do, which ultimately leads to a greater creativity.
2: And if I might interject, uh, one thing I'll add is there's a fundamental difference in terms of the education system where we uh put people into you know uh tracks and trajectories yeah Yeah, silos where they cannot get out of right i mean i mean oh how well you do in your 10th grade determines whether or not you know how well you do in your uh you know uh 10th and 11th and 12th and then what you know colleges you apply to which is sort of really stupid i mean one of the things i love about the us is the whole idea of a liberal arts education I mean, my wife Mm -hmm. went to, uh, you know, uh, one of the top liberal arts schools in the U.S. And the whole idea there is that, I mean, if you take, you know, Harvard's and the Yale's, but also smaller colleges like, you know, Mount Holyoke's and Williams and so on. The whole idea is that you get a holistic education. Uh, You have to take classes in the sciences. You have to take classes in math, astronomy, language, uh, literature, arts, humanities, uh, music. Athletics, like a lot of schools, it it is mandatory that you pass a swim test before you can graduate, right? It is mandatory that you pass athletics with a certain grade before you can graduate. And, you know, that holistic education sort of provides you with strong foundations where, I mean, I always like the example of Steve Jobs. I mean, the fact that Steve Jobs took a class on calligraphy and realized that computers need fonts, Right. I mean, that bridge between, you know, various subjects, inter- interdisciplinary, you know, mindset, you don't get that if you're just one dimensional. I think that's a huge uh, area of opportunity for India.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I also think that the kind of heroes that we have and the kind of success stories that we have makes a difference. For instance, if you if you look at because, you know, I'm in the field of say, corporates or business management. If you look at people who are really successful or who have been successful in the past few years, you would say that some of the CEOs of the startups have been successful, right? You have companies like Flipkart, Ola, Zomato, etc., which are now like billion dollar companies which were built by people who are probably 10 years old, right? But if if, if, if you look at, you know, what these people, what these successful people did, their business model was essentially X of India, right? Flipkart was Amazon of India. They also started with an online bookstore, just like Amazon did in mid nineties. Flipkart did that in late two thousands, right? Ola was the Uber of, India. uh, if, even Infosys, right? Because, you know, software services firms were all already there, but you know, what they did is they sort of, mm-hmm. uh, took advantage of, uh, the cheap labor costs in India and brought that work back. So, in a way, our heroes are not people who are creating things, right? And as opposed to someone of my age who is in America, he's going to look at, you know, say, Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk, right? Any of these people. And they have all been doing, you know, whatever they have been successful in, they are the pioneers in that, right? They have started those things. So, so for an American person, right, for, for someone who is inspired by these people, if he or she sort of envisages their future, they're not afraid of some starting something new. But in India, like even if you go to venture capitalists, even if you go to other people who are successful and ask them for guidance and share your ideas with them, what they look for is always proof of concept in some other market, right? So that in itself sort of hinders creativity and the ability to do something which is entirely new right, in India.
3: Barita, I want to say one thing. I think, as far as liberal arts are concerned, the school you go to makes a big difference. If your wife went to the the probably the best school in the U.S., that's very different from the kind of um, liberal arts education you get in other parts of U.S. In like in schools that are not as good, my ex went to a local school. He has a double masters in anthropology and sociology, and he really struggled to find a job where he would be able to apply the school, the skills he uh, learned in school. And and mind you, it wasn't cheap. It was it was a very uh, expensive education that he got that he that did not translate into a lucrative career.
1: I just have three points here. I mean, just if it's okay, right? If, is anyone else loading their guns, or do I come with my bazooka here? No, I <laughs> you, you, you. yeah, fire away. <laughs> all right. Okay. There are, there are three things here. All right. Uh, first of all, the point on liberal arts, I think, you know, we have an Indian equivalent of engineering here. I mean, at least for freshers, that is what I'm seeing in people. Uh, if you, if you're not from a good college, at least in the first three or four years of the career, it's an absolute slog. that, that is, uh, I don't know about CSE, but for the rest of the branches, for non-IT, I think it's pretty difficult to even get a job if you're not from a good college. Uh, the point about holistic education, I think holistic education, correct me if I'm wrong, Hebrito, holistic education is also somewhere down the line dependent on critical thinking as well. I mean, if I'm if I'm in the habit or not capable of thinking about anything new which is thrown to me in a logical way or in a way which is, you know, it it is not something which goes by any particular book, then you cannot exactly completely adapt to holistic education. And the third point was that sports well in india sports are played in two phases because you know i've played till a decent level i wouldn't like to say till where uh, but i've played till a decent level uh there are two phases of sports one is still under 10 when you play for the heck of it right you know you're just a kid you're going out there to enjoy yourself the moment you start playing in college uh, in your college maybe or maybe in your school or in your district or in your state indians start to look at it as an investment not for the sake of uh, fun, but as probably a lucrative career. So, when you're playing sports in India after like you 13 or 14, you're always looking at a career at it. And unfortunately, you know, just because of the numbers game, it doesn't never pay off. So, whenever you ask someone why, whether do they play sports or not, especially if someone is 14 and 15, you, you don't get a response for that because the incentivization is incorrect. You know, you're looking at sports to play sports for possibly trying to make a career in that. And that would definitely not be always be the case. You know, it's, it's a country of 1 billion people. And by sports in India, it's by and large, a lot of it is also usually cricket. I'm not sure so, if I'm making sense here, so but so all right.
0: Saying that there are not enough career opportunities in sports
1: in yeah, India. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even the game I, that I played, I played cricket. And I'll be very okay. honest. I mean, even for a state cricket team if you have got to qualify it. for us so i
0: got cut off in the middle right point taken yeah down to so so can you sort of continue with your point what were you exactly saying can you just start with that
4: yeah so <laughs> when did i get cut off i don't know i got cut I off in the middle the
2: beginning. you said you're just a bazooka, in the middle. bazooka and then you no, bazooka yeah. is
4: mine, you a bazooka at yeah so i was saying that you know uh uh yeah, so I was saying that, you know, Monsultan mentioned that, you know, India India, those successes huay, they were successes from the first, from the first ball itself. You know, you had guys like Free Charge and Paytm and o- uh, Ola, Oyo, uh, Flipkart. But we don't have the capacity for failure right now, because that is when you get the very big companies. You have things like, you know, Apple, like those jo Steve Jobs he basically he basically failed in the starting right he got kicked out of his own company and then he came back and then he succeeded and yeah, you know, but, Elon, but downtown Elon when he also, got kicked
0: out it it was already a big company right they already had macintosh it, they already had a big yeah. product. so it's not Lisa, as a, had,
2: yeah
0: yeah so so it's the equivalent of sachin bansal getting you know transitioned out of flipkart And if Flipkart performs badly now and he comes back and, you know, puts the company back on top again, then it would be a similar story. But Sachin Bansal, I mean, Flipkart still becoming a billion dollar startup from, you know, from the beginning was to his credit, right? And Steve Jobs also had already made a big company. And he got kicked because they thought that he was probably not the right person to take it.
4: Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like I was saying... I actually spoke for five minutes before. I, I don't know when it got cut off. But I'm just saying that India has no capacity nahi hai to handle the amount of failures that There's the no guys. Room
3: for
4: so
2: I heard a bunch of different points, right? I mean, I, I want to address some of them. I mean, one, Gobi, your point on the fact that not every liberal arts education is created equal is absolutely true, right? Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think education just provides you with the tools. To go do what you think needs to be done, and it's up to you to uh, you know take it up and do what's right. And the answer for a lot of people might be that you should have been a plumber or a mechanic, and not necessarily you know studied uh, liberal arts and gone on to you know do great things or silly things, right? I mean, it, it is up to you. Yeah. And I think uh, freedom is a double-edged sword in that sense, right? Giving you the tools and uh, being prescriptive, like I said, de-risks because oh do this and you will get a job. It's not going to be a great job. Giving you a liberal arts education tells you you will learn stuff. It's up to you to figure out what do you want to learn, how you want to do it. And and, 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 and so it's outcomes reliant on you. Uh, on the topic of, you know, whether the challenges in India and so on. I mean, the one thing I want to say is that economists everywhere have shown that, you know, like I'd say that this is a widely held consensus that wealth is not a zero sum game. I mean, you don't take something from somebody to create. wealth. I mean, uh, when you create new ideas and innovation, you create new opportunities for people. In many ways, the whole attitude of the you know Indian social system, where we are focusing on de-risking and only trying new concepts, means that uh, you are killing off an entire you know uh, segment of modern society, which is innovation and design thinking and all that cool stuff i mean you mentioned sports baby and by the way like a lot of uh, high schools in the u.s have sports not as oh you have to be good at it and play and become professional but rather the same way that you need to know basic math you need to know basic athleticism and know how to swim because a good chunk of people in the world and I had,
1: that completely,
2: right So it's that, but it's also the fact that somebody who likes a good friend of mine, he went to MIT and he now works for one of the top sports teams, basically performing statistical analysis, right? I mean, so uh, it's not just that you're limited to, I mean, Sabermetrics is a great example, right? I mean, you you can like sports, you can know sports, doesn't mean you have to play sports. You come up with new areas and new opportunities that you would not have thought of before. I mean, take, um, you know, racing for instance. I mean, the reason why people love F1 and MotoGP and so on, yes, it's fun to watch, but from a technical standpoint, they're just, so much innovation that happens in terms of, you know, pushing the boundaries and that creates industries of better bikes and better cars and more fuel efficiencies and what have you. I I feel like uh, by not availing ourselves of those opportunities, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, guys. I mean, India is, you know, denying ourselves an opportunity to truly be innovative and go above and beyond the moment we say that, oh, well, that is too hard. You're not going to have jobs yes you're not gonna you know people will fail and you know what but the next guy who comes up with something cool that's going to change india uh will probably you know uh transform the economy but you're not giving people the chance to do that because the next internet the next biotech the next elon musk it's not happening
1: i mean you know in in india's defense burrito india's entrepreneurial instinct never actually took off it was Asphyxiated right from the time India actually came into formation. So this is not just a one-time thing. Uh, I mean, it, 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 there are some actually very, very good points here. You know, right from fear of failure to not to be re- risking everything to people looking for validation of truth. Whenever someone's trying to actually innovate something, I mean, these are actually very, very good points. And on that note, I'll actually ask Monsalton to take this forward in the direction he sees fit.
0: Yeah. So, so the thing is, I, I sort of agree both with Downtor and bulto. Uh India is the way it is because of certain reasons, right? And I, I just feel that, you know, we have potentially two crore people joining the workforce every year. And from what I read, I may be wrong, but from what I read a couple of years ago, at least, we had six lakh or 600,000 uh, people uh, jobs in the formal sector which were being created and as much as we talk about you know entrepreneurship and taking risks etc cetera, etc cetera, but as the pandemic has shown like having job security is of most value in, in a place like it and and the fact that there are two crore people chasing like just six hundred thousand jobs tells you you know how difficult it is to be it is to be even moderately successful and even this whole process of de-risking is is not about being average right so if even if you have like a risk free normal job maybe like a software engineer in a in a company right which which you wouldn't consider as a supremely innovative or uh, risk taking job even then you're probably in the top 5% of your peers and even then you probably had to sort of compete and beat 95% of the other people who are competing with you at various points of time in the life at the same time if we want to change this picture if we want to have more than 6 lakh jobs for 2 crore people then there have to be some people who need to take the risk and i think people who who have some sort of a some sort of a base who have some sort of a fallback option are the best place to uh, place to do that which would include a lot of us a lot of people like us who have parents at least from middle class families who can support us for some time and have a decent education that can get us a job if you know if something goes wrong when well, we on that note right on on that note let's let's go to the final phase right? All uh, right so so i want all of you to then now now having discussed all of th- all of these things right tell me like if you leave india this this is for downtown and baby right what is the one thing that you would miss about it and if you emigrate to some other country uh, tell me which country you would want to move to and what is the one thing that you would emigrate from, right? And the question is slightly in a slightly different form for uh, Gobian Burrito, which is, you know, what is one thing that you enjoy about the United States and one thing that you miss from your life? Uh, any Anybody who wants to start with this?
1: I think I'll allow Donto to take the lead on this one you know, because sure. there are too many questions. I've almost lost track of it.
4: Yeah, yeah. If you have a question, then NRI Golf is first. Yeah, makes sense. Vocal for vocal. I love vocal. No, 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 no. It is purely anecdotal. I am not pointing fingers. If you have a question, hai toh, NRI Golf is at the end. If you have a question, then NRI Golf in the first. Yeah, I would <laughs> say, dude, if I would want to settle somewhere, uh, yeah. it, if I had the opportunity, definitely gulf. I mean, it's close to India, it's close to family, I can maintain, my, I would maintain. Did you just
0: say that it was your third priority?
4: <laughs> I, that's what I said, right? I, 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 if I can have the same career, then the Gulf, definitely. Because it's tax-free, man. Why would I pay tax to a country which doesn't give me citizenship in the next 20 years anyways? So yeah. Fuck them got
0: it so द... nri so, 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 so gulf because no taxes what is the one thing that you'll miss about india
4: no it's gulf one of the major reasons is not because of ta- is because lack of taxes second is it's very close to home man i mean if kuch gaya, like yeah like my family will be in india kuch ho gaya, so
0: basically developed world car lifestyle close to home not not very far hmm. away that is yes. the
4: dude it is very close dude i, I mean it, dude to hyderabad se delhi i am just saying if to hyderabad say delhi Jaiga, it's it's a two two and a half hour flight if you go yeah. from hyderabad to dubai it is a 3 hour flight yeah. that's how close it is <laughs> so.
0: got it what one is what is the one thing that you'll miss about india
4: miss about india uh all people uh, say that neighbours are very nosy and all, uh, but I think when push comes to stu- uh, shove, they will actually help you. I, I don't think that's there uh, in so in US or something. So I, I-, I don't know. I am not... That
0: you can get from your neighbours, right? So that's something that you'll we'll miss. Yes. So just... yes.
4: Yeah. Uh, 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 and labour is also cheap. So definitely that. Um, that is
0: an indoor tour. So, but but stick to one thing, right? Gobi, next is you. What is one thing that you miss about India, and what is one thing that you love about staying in?
3: The thing I miss about India is very similar to what Down Tour said. I miss the closeness uh, among people with neighbors. I miss having my neighbor bring me alu gobi kisabzi in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> I I I miss people knowing everything about each other and as annoying as it was um it there was a sense of closeness that lacks um in the u.s um but what i love about the u.s is um having freedom and more than anything having freedom of speech i mean i could sit here and talk shit about trump and no one's gonna put rocks through my windshield um Mm -hmm. i can't say that I could do the same when I'm in India. So I do uh, appreciate the, the freedom um, I have um, because I, I live in the States. That's something I would miss um, if I went to India. But yeah. I think Let- it'll be a small trade-off. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. Got, got it. So freedom and again, social clues. Right? Uh, those are the two points.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Uh, B- Burrito, what are your two points? I mean I'd say that you know the thing that I really miss about India is, is, is sort of the culture I, I just feel like you know there's just so many festivals so many cool things and, and there's a sense of energy and just I, I don't know enthusiasm that's there in India that's actually missing in most western countries I don't know what your uh, you know uh, sense was Monsultan, from your time here but I fundamentally feel like India is just so much more alive, right? I mean, and just so much more happening all around. And that's one thing that, you know, I really do miss. I mean, that energy, that that, just, I don't know, the sense of, you know, being alive. Uh, And not to mention, like, you know, hey, great food and uh, what have you, Uh, friends, family, and all that. Uh, And in terms of, you know, what I like, and I'm going to answer it slightly differently because I think at the end of the day, not just the U.S., but in general, right? I mean, I, I think uh, there is a sense of opportunity that exists, whether it's the U.S. or Australia or Denmark or South Africa or even Russia, where you have a feeling that you can do whatever you want, right? I mean, oh, you want to you want to be a doctor? I can literally go, you know, a uh, study for you know MCAT and you know d- d- do some remedial premed courses and become a doctor. Uh, I, I want to start a right. company. I want to become a you know race car driver. Like there is nothing that you cannot do, and that sense that you know you're not locked in a certain career path, that the world's your oyster. I really like that. I think that that's something that's uh, probably more so in the U.S., but generally much more so in Western countries where uh, there is a sense of opportunity and openness, which makes you feel hopeful.
0: That that's very interesting, and and finally, baby, having heard all of this. What do you feel about emigrating now? And secondly, if you want to emigrate, where do you want to go? What What do you think about that place? What would you miss uh, about it?
1: Alright, okay. Uh, see, first of all, my beliefs have been strengthened that I want to emigrate. Okay. Okay. N- number two, I think one thing that I definitely miss is uh, the food. See, Because, you know, I've, I've been outside. So the food, uh-huh. Indian food is something I was, I am accustomed to so I think that That is something I would miss. What was the third right. question? I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm is a...
0: if you if you want to emigrate, which country would you ideally want to go to, and why?
1: All right. If I want to emigrate, I think Australia. Uh, probably because you know I've had the best experiences in Australia. You know, going there and playing the game. I think it was just surreal. Also Got because it. of the fact that I love the way they play their game and I love the way they uh they give importance to physical fitness in their life. And also, I, I just feel you know, it's, it's a too free a country, pretty chill people. So yeah, that, that would be one thing. And also, you know, I cannot give inferiority complex to people there based on my height, which I can give in India. So yeah, that is also one thing. Just kidding. So is
0: that like a, you give inferiority complex to other people so you want to leave <laughs> India
1: and do us a favor? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, no. I'm just kidding, that is not the case. Well, more, more
2: <laughs> Denmark or the Netherlands, you'll feel right at home. You'll feel like the short guy.
1: Yeah, actually, I would be very happy for that because it's very difficult to travel in autos or maybe you know fit get fit yourself into a Maruti Suzuki or Swift. It's very difficult as it is.
0: Yeah, I, I think the average height in Netherlands is six feet, right, for men, or even more than that. Yeah, I believe it's six one. Yeah.
2: Yeah
1: ha to udhar bhi above average shit ha ah,
2: it's because it's average and i'm sure that a lot of immigrants bring the height down <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely
2: uh, uh, how, how tall are you
0: baby
1: i i am okay so uh, i weigh uh, i weigh i'm saying look at my how awake i am how awake i am all right so my height is 195 centimeters to be exact so you know i actually but, converted that so that's about 6.35 or 6.33 something
0: Okay, so so a small step for you is a
1: gentle.
4: I I just yeah. wanted. to that. <laughs> I swear, man. <laughs> I, I am, am one eighty five and I'm like, ye thoda ho gaya. This guy is like ten centimeters more than me. Now,
1: <laughs> and I'll, I'll also tell you one thing, you know, I have this beautiful thing that I always keep forgetting. So I was I used to say it's one ninety three, but when I check my document, it's properly one ninety five only. So I I don't even oh. remember that. <laughs>
0: You you can also like check your height with a table. You don't need to look at a document. <laughs> but I'm
1: oh, 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 oh. oh, oh. bolo, bolo. Yeah, go on.
0: No, I, I was just saying that we, we have talked for a long while, so on that note, yeah. let's conclude <laughs> well, our first Before meeting. we end,
2: Manzal, then uh, yep. you should tell us. I mean you ah, even, actually, yeah. like you know your two things. Answers I, to the question. I, I,
0: I I think my my points were very practical, right? So the thing thing that I missed the most was cheap labor. So having like maids to clean your house, to cook, having drivers to drive you around. So that was the thing that I missed. And the thing that I really loved was the outdoors. I just felt that the cities were beautiful. And you didn't have to travel a lot in order to like go to a beach or go to a really nice park, a really good spot that you want to walk around. And set right, so so that was the part that I really loved, like clean air, good roads, beautiful city, full outdoors. I think that's something that I miss in India. So, uh, uh, on that note, thanks to all of you. If anybody is still listening to this podcast, and if we have actually. <laughs> actually released it like our technical director serac managed to record everything and edit out all the screw-ups and we've actually managed to release it and you have still managed to be here then thanks for listening in our next podcast is on online dating stories we will have burrito and downtor sharing some spicy sh- stories with us and we'll have two new guests, punit and bubble Baji, on also on that podcast have a great day. bye Ooh, thank you for hosting us. Jai,
1: jai Maharashtra, go vocal for local, bye-bye. Bye-bye,
0: shabba khair.